Welcome to 25 Stocks of Christmas presented by Chit Chat Money. Today we have an interview with Davalko Techa. We've had him on before. Uh, How should we define him? I would call him an expert in advertising an expert. technology. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's. Uh, he, he, I believe his personal work is in the ad tech space. And so now he's got, he's taken that expertise and sort of uh, shared it with everyone on Fintwit. And mm-hmm. it's helping a lot of people realize a lot of the good companies in there. And so today we talk about the trade desk, which he obviously knows really well. Yeah, I learned probably 10 new things about the company. And I've owned, it was like 1% of my portfolio in the past. Uh, so it's not like I didn't know what they did, but he really went into detail. So if you're interested at all, I mean, it's a must listen. And uh, before we get to that, we have to do our sales pitch, which I'm going to go this time uh, because I've been crushing it. I, I hate I'm to happy. I hate to brag, I, but I, I think that's, uh, it's all equal in my eyes. So. Okay, uh, but we have a partnership with Seven Investing, and you get ten dollars off your first month. No brainer, obviously. Um, so it's only seven dollars. You get seven great ideas. Uh, I still haven't looked at this month's Rex. Which, who is your favorite? Uh, oh, I don't want to pin anyone down, and I can't remember all of them. But oh gosh, just pick one. Uh, I'll go with our guy Matt. Okay, uh, our old yeah. All right, all right. Well, I mean, Matt's uh, anything exciting about the company that you can't, uh, you know, you got to like beat around the bush with it? Um, uh, it's someone who's in retail that Amazon is going to have a tough time disrupting. Oh, snap. All right. Well, if you want to read up on that, feel free to use our code CCM to get $10 off for your first month. Here you go. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now please enjoy this episode. Today we are welcomed by Deval Kotecha. Uh, we've had him on the show before. We kind of met him through Twitter, but uh, it's been a while. And you can find his stuff, uh, obviously, on Twitter. He provides a lot of valuable content, but he also has a new podcast out. I guess it's been, what, a month, two months since you uh, introduced that? Yes. Okay, and it's called Stock Detective, but... Uh, uh, yeah, him and Kermit Capital. Who we've also guys, had... Two experts in the software space i'd say um, yeah advertising you more of the advertising him more of the data um so you can get a good you know insights from uh industry experts but uh deval how have you been i'm doing great how are you guys yeah not too bad we're enjoying the uh 25 stocks of christmas and today we're talking the trade desk which you are you sort of have deep roots in ad tech so how did you end up coming across the trade desk yeah so I work in uh, the programmatic advertisement space and uh, the trade desk happens to be the top dog on the demand side. So uh, I have been following the trade desk uh, since its early days um, and it went public uh, in 2016-ish or so uh, at around uh, $18. And I have been uh, following it since then, and I always thought that I would initiate a position in that stock, but I kind of never ended pulling up the trigger until it doubled like almost 
five times in value. <laughs> uh, like it went up five times in value from there. And at that point of time, I said, okay, uh, let me just jump in that stock. Um, and yeah, um, since then it has been a pretty good ride for me and um, it has been doing uh, phenomenally well and that entire space is so exciting. So um, yeah, that's how I found the trade desk. And it's a company that I feel like a lot of people sort of like peripherally know what's going on. Like, so it's like demand side platform for advertisers. Um, but can you go into a little more depth of what trade the trade desk actually does sort of at a deeper level? Right. So when I try to evaluate a company, um, first of all, what I do is I go in, in on their website and say, okay, what's the mission statement? What are they trying to achieve or what are they trying to do? Right. So the trade desk mission is to transform the media for the benefit of humankind by helping brands deliver a more insightful and relevant ad experience for the consumers and setting a new standard for global reach, accuracy, and transparency. So what does that mean? Um, I will simplify that and say, okay, trade desk is a demand side platform and it helps the buyers reach the consumers programmatically, right? So. Uh, they are a platform, a multi-channel platform that provides uh, buyers the access to all different sorts of inventory, like say display, video, mobile, native, audio, and uh, connected TV, which is the hot thing right now. Um, and with their products, what a buyer could do is they could execute full funnel campaigns uh, and also what they could do is they could tie up a different sorts of uh, channels and kind of make meaningful uh, outcome from uh, that, that sort of targeting, right? So say for example, if you are browsing your uh, phone and you look for something, and then if you are looking for something else on your desktop, right, then Trade Desk would be able to tie that two devices together and provide you the meaningful ad onto that other, pro other device, right? So that is one thing that they do as well. Um, now, um, what I would say is I would go over the products one by one, so that would give a better idea on uh, the Trade Desk. So they have the product portfolio, um, the first, is their demand side platform, which is the main one. Um, that's where like the users can go and uh, create the campaigns, right? So that's where the campaigns are set up, they are delivered. Um, the second one is called the Koa, right? So Koa is their secret sauce, which is their AI tool to provide for better decisioning for the campaigns, which are set up in their demand side platform, right? Okay. Uh, the third tool is their planner. So planner is a tool they offer to their clients to generate data-driven media plans using uh, audience insight to accelerate campaign performance. Um, the other tools they have, um, there are three more. Uh, one is their data management platform, which is called the DMP. Uh, that's where like you see LiveRamp also falls under. Um, another company that you guys already talked in the past. Um, now DMP again is a platform to onboard and manage advertiser data and purchase 
third-party data uh, and create custom audiences. So third-party data is something that LiveRAM does, and then you can onboard that third-party data onto their platform for mm-hmm. their um, buyers, right? Their clients to use those data. And that's, uh, excuse me, that's to help to target um, the advertisements. Yes, yeah, so they could okay. create custom audiences and they could say, okay, if you are in a market to buy a car, then you fall under that audience segment. And then I want to target all the users who want, who are in a market to buy a car. Okay. So the, the audience segments work like that. Um, the other um, tool they have is the PMP, which is the publisher management platform. So on a high level, it's a platform to manage deals, um, which is where they could say, okay, I would want to buy uh, this inventory at this price and uh, they can uh, take those uh, deals directly from the publisher and and input that, and they could say, okay, yeah, we will bid on that particular deal. So, uh, so sorry. Uh, so it sounds like, um, and by publisher, let's say we're talking about like ESPN.com yes. or something like that. The publisher, could they come straight to the trade desk with their ad inventory or do they have to go through a supply side platform? Uh, right now they they have to go through the supply side. They can go to uh, the DSP directly, but um, it's not uh, something very easy. Uh, and it makes sense for uh, the SSPs to be a part of this entire ecosystem. And that's yeah. where the requests are routed from because the auctions are handled f- by the SSP. And uh, there are multiple DSPs and what the publisher would want is they would want the best price uh, for that particular ad spot. So if the uh, SSP is not there to handle the auction, then you probably are just talking to one DSP and that one DSP says, okay, I will bid at this much. Then they are just having to end up fill that ad spot at that price. Whereas the SSP is conducting that auction. There might be some other DSP who is willing to pay more than if you would have just integrated directly with that DSP. Okay. okay. That makes sense. Right. Um, and the last tool that I was wanting to talk about is their APIs. And by APIs, what I mean is uh, they have uh, created this sort of uh, interface where the clients can build a completely customized bidding platform on top of the trade desk platform, right? So that is also where they are investing very heavily um, if you consider um, in the future, right? So. Uh, that's all any sort of customization I want to do as a client on top of the trade desk platform. I'm able to do that. Um, so those are their uh, primarily primary tools. Um, and what these tools in total, they help uh, their clients to do is to do several different types of targeting. And some of the examples of those targetings are like the third party audience targeting where uh, I mentioned just now where um, they could say, okay, I want to target anybody who is in the market of buying a car. Uh, that's a segment and I want to target that. And the first party targeting is the data which I have already uh, with uh, different sorts of pixels, which I have put uh, on the website and I am capturing the data for that particular user and seeing, okay, what sites they are going to like going on and uh, capturing that information by myself as a buyer. Uh, there are various different other types of targetings. Uh, the, the clients of Trade Desk can do, which are primarily the agencies. 
that run their campaigns. Uh, site app targeting is one where I could say, okay, I want to uh, deliver my ads on these particular sites or these particular apps. I don't want to serve the uh, ads on certain categories of apps. I don't want to serve certain sites uh, that would be say approved lists or say block list or things like that. Huh. I could say, I don't want to target particular keywords. I want to put, target only these keywords. Um, and then I could also want to target say weather conditions, uh, temperature and uh, geo. Uh, say if I want to only target users in a particular state, then I could say, okay, I want to do this. Or I could say, I want to only target users who are in the 10 mile radius of say Home Depot, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I could do various different things going on through that platform. And on top of that, what you could also do is to do like cross device targeting that I already talked about where you browse something on one of your devices and you get the ad on the other device. Um, and you could also do frequency controls where you could say, I only want to deliver the same ad to the user in this time frame. If I deliver, say, X amount of ads to this user in this time frame, then I don't want to deliver the, the same ads over and over again because that would give like bad user experience and um, the consumer would go away from, like they don't want to see the same ads over and over again, basically. Right, right. Okay. So yeah, uh, that's what Trade Desk does. Uh, if you have any other follow-up questions, I'm happy to answer that. <laughs> I, 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 got, I got one. Okay. Um, so is it sort of like their value proposition to these advertisers is, hey, we can target as well as say Facebook can, uh, but you don't have to go into that walled garden. Yes, uh, yeah. Trade Desk is all about open internet, right? So Facebook and Google and all those uh, wall gardens kind of a, a company. What you could do is you could run the campaigns there, but there are limited sort of uh, attributions or measurability, what you could say uh, in terms of the wall gardens. Whereas Trade Desk is like, you could do like, uh, you could put pixels on that where you could say, okay, I want my first party data and I want to run these campaigns and I want to capture the data myself. Whereas there would be very much a limited capability on like the wall garden side on what you could do there. Okay. That makes sense. And with a company like Trade Desk, how important is management maybe in general or just specifically for you? Right. So Management is one of the most important things when I look at a particular company. Um, and um, let me give you a background on how they started the Trade Desk. Um, so Trade Desk was founded by uh, Jeff Green, um, who is now the CEO of Trade Desk and Dave Pickles, uh, who is now the CTO of Trade Desk. Um, so Jeff Green founded the company called Ad ECN in 2003 and sold that company to Microsoft in 2007. Uh, and uh, Jeff met Dave at Microsoft and they bought, left Microsoft to start the trade desk in 2009, right? Uh, now, Jeff Green, he owns around 10% uh, of the company stock. So there's a lot of skin in the game. And uh, I love that sort of a, a thing when it comes to uh, the management owning 
the stocks in their own company and by like a 10% is a pretty significant uh, skin in the game. And the other thing that I'm looking at from the management is uh, they are executing wonderfully since the company went public. So back in 2016, the price was like $18 a share when they went public. And uh, now um, the share price is almost around $903, which is over 4,900% returns um, and is a phenomenal result for the shareholders as well. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, not too shabby for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing that I go and do is to look at the Glassdoor reviews. And uh, I went to uh, Glassdoor for the trade desk and I saw that uh, 91% of the employees approve uh, Jeff Green as the CEO, so which is a great sign of leadership. And again, like I like um, the visionary style of uh, Jeff Green. So yeah, uh, management, very important. And I think uh, the management is like, stellar in case of the trade desk. Yeah, I know that they have a strong history of getting their story out there. They're posting videos all the time, doing conferences, trying to get the public to understand why they should use this product, correct? Right. Okay. Yep. Which is like, which is valuable to begin with, sort of that level of transparency from management. But on a more complicated business model, I think it's really good that the Trade Desk is doing this because it makes it a lot easier uh, on the investor side to sort of understand. Um, now, sort of the... Uh, the why you're buying it. I know you sort of touched on this already, but if you want to go maybe a little deeper into your thesis, because obviously it serves a good value to customers, but that doesn't always translate to uh, perfect stock performance. So why do you like it as an investment? Right. So there are so many reasons and uh, I have, uh, <laughs> I have come up with um, certain bullet points and uh, I will go over like one by one. Um, so, um, let's look at the market cap, right? So market cap of this company right now uh, is $42 billion. Um, and what I'm seeing is uh, this company is still getting started, right? I see this company, uh, $100 billion company in the next few years. And I will explain why I see uh, that happening, right? So the first thing that I want to touch is they are the market leader at this point. Right, so they are the biggest demand side platform uh, outside of the wall gardens. Um, and uh, what I like to do is I like to bet on the market leaders um, and the companies which constantly are executing well, right? So um, on their last uh, earnings call, what they mentioned was uh, not only the existing advertisers kind of increased their spend on the platform, but they also won a significant amount of business from their competitors, right? So, which means that they are gaining market share uh, as it stands right now. And uh, I think they will continue to do that in the future. Um, And again, like for, in my eyes, they are a winner. And um, as David Gardner puts, what do winners do? They win, right? So they keep on. uh, (laughs) Sorry. I said they keep on winning or whatever he, whatever his uh, saying. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's what I I see uh, them continue to do uh, in the future. Now we already talked about their platform, um, like what their tools are within their platform. 
they are having the best of the class uh, tools and the platform is like uh, very good um, in terms of like technology as well. Um, so I'd like to uh, provide some more um, color on, on that because uh, this is very important to understand like how they have kind of evolved in terms of the platform. So back in 2018, right? Uh, they overhauled uh, their entire platform. Basically, what they called was the next wave. Um, so they invested around 40% of their engineering resources towards uh, like bettering the entire user experience and focusing on their tools like Coa, Planner, etc. Right. Um, so basically, what that uh, kind of um, did was it made it much easier for the buyers to kind of uh, set up their campaigns uh, on their platform, made it easier for everyone to run the campaigns, uh, provided much more transparency, and uh, that kind of allowed the clients uh, to kind of increase their spend on their platform, right? So um, in terms of the revenue numbers, uh, 2018, um, the revenue was 477 million in 2018. And right now it's almost going to be around 800 million uh, in 2020, right? So we are looking at a significant increase in the revenue after they announced uh, the next wave and those uh, updates were pushed on their platform. Now, uh, if you happen to go on their last quarterly earnings call, uh, what Jeff Green said was they were uh, going to launch one of the biggest upgrades to the system in the company history, which they called as Solomar. Uh, that's the next big thing coming on uh, on the trade desk platform. And um, and I would definitely think that it's it's something uh, I'm looking forward to, and I see how the Solomar will bring in more business for the trade desk because that will make a lot of things even easier for the clients to, um, to run their campaigns on. Uh, the third thing I can talk here is the robustness of this business, right? So uh, during the pandemic uh, back in March, uh, when this all started, everyone talked about the headwinds to the advertisement and this entire industry and uh, said, okay, ad tech a business businesses like Trade Desk and Roku, and those will be severely impacted because their revenue is coming from um, the client spending on the advertisements, right? But what we are seeing right now is they have successfully uh, passed through that uh, sort of um, uh, the pandemic worries that everyone had. And uh, we saw a 32% year-on-year revenue growth in the last quarter. And uh, on top of that, what they are saying is for the Q4 2020, they are guiding for a 33 to 35% revenue growth, which is really good. Um, this sort of business where uh, the clients can stop the spend uh, with a push of a button, uh, they can also start the spend with a push of the button. So it was very easy for the clients to stop uh, spending on their platform, but it was, again, much more easier for the clients to start back their spend uh, on their platform. And uh, what Jeff Green also mentioned on their call is 
the clients who did not pause their spending, they saw that they were in a much better spot than uh, the clients who paused the spending during the pandemic. Mm. Um, and uh, the other thesis, like I, I have a lot more points and I can keep going, uh, but I will limit it to uh, just three more. Um, and uh, the one more thing that uh, Jeff Green talks about uh, is uh, that the advertisers are getting more deliberate, right? So that's uh, what he's seeing in the industry, right? So what Trade Desk did was they conducted a survey of around 200 advertisers. And uh, the results they came back with were like very enlightening. And what they saw was around 85% of them said that they were under new pressure from CFOs to justify marketing spend and to measure against the business goals, right? So 50% of them are now having their typical measurement techniques question. So basically when they are throwing money into um, like advertisement spend, which they cannot uh, kind of measure, then what's the point of doing that sort of advertisements, right? So uh, what happens here is now all those advertisers uh, who were not able to measure their performance effectively, they are falling over to the data-driven methodology, which Trade Desk is offering them. Uh, and what they will be able to do is with that data-driven methodology, they will be able to measure the return on investment they are doing uh, with uh, the Trade Desk, right? So that is one thing that I, I think there's a lot more spend going into that platform in the coming few years, uh, just because of what I'm seeing with all these advertisers. Uh, the other main reason I see is the connected TV, right? Mm -hmm. So connected TV, uh, we have seen that there's a fundamental shift uh, that has happened um, in advertising with uh, COVID-19. Uh, what we are also seeing is with COVID-19, people are now cutting their cards and uh, moving to um, the, the platforms, which um, like say Roku or uh, any connected TV uh, sort of platforms, right? So uh, this is a data from eMarketer and uh, the data is like 77.6 million households um, in the United States will have the cable TV packages this year, which is down 7.5% uh, year on year. So typically what they kind of predict was a 3% decline uh, over like every year. And now this year we are seeing a 7.5% decline. And that number is continuing to decline and now it will decline rapidly. Uh, the predictions now is that from that 77.6 million, right? We will be seeing uh, that number drop to around 50 million which is about a 40% drop from here, right? So uh, we are constantly, like we are in a trend of uh, declining, decline of the linear TV, right? And Jeff Green clearly puts it, right? If you see his videos on YouTube um, and uh, he says linear TV is dead and he has often uh, referred to it as a ticking time bomb. Um, so, uh, if you see the, the, the estimated global ad spend, right? Um, the TAM, which I can say, $725 billion. Uh, and out of that $725 billion, there's $230 billion 
from the linear TV or uh, upfronts as they call in the industry, right? So now um, if Jeff Green is right, which I think he is, um, where does that $230 billion go, right? So the ad budgets of the linear TV. And uh, I think it goes to the programmatic and uh, who are going to be the beneficiaries of this uh, shift. Um, I think companies like Trade Desk and companies like Roku and even companies like Magnite who are on the supply side are um, like, they will benefit uh, from this shift. Um, and again, like if you see uh, TTD, um, they have captured approximately like 1% of that market. So I think there's a lot of room to, to run for uh, this company, right? Okay. Uh, and uh, the other thing which I want to highlight is um, from the same survey, right? So uh, from the same survey that they did for that 200 advertisers, one more interesting data point was that there was a shift from the user-generated content to the premium TV content from on the part of the advertiser. So what that means is the user-generated content, uh, it's pretty divisive in nature, like you see uh, in on Twitter and on Facebook and on, on those platforms, right? Right. Um, so 90% of those advertisers, they plan to move those ad dollars away from those sorts of user-generated content platforms to the platforms which are like the premium TV content, like the Hulus and uh, those content, like say the Roku channels and of the world. Peacock or something like that. Yeah, yep, yep. So Trade Desk has won tens of millions of dollars of uh, spend from like the advertisers which shifted from the UGC, which is the user-generated content to the premium TV content. Uh, And the last point which I want to highlight is their international growth. So again, when the pandemic started, they saw that the disruption uh, on the spend numbers, that they had more disruption internationally as compared to the US because that's where it all started initially, right? So, um, but what they started to see was um, the recovery also on the international side, it was much earlier than what we saw in the US, right? So, uh, they talk specifically about two areas like Japan and France, and they saw like 100% uh, spend uh, that grew year over year in the last quarter, which is um, very promising. Um, and um, also, uh, they are focusing on China. So China is their big uh, story and uh, they specifically mentioned that they are going to heavy up their investments in that region. So in short, um, what they are trying to do is, um, so the, the brands specifically, right? So the brands, uh, the advertisers, the buyers, basically, they are trying to look uh, for alternatives to the wall gardens and the broadcast TV. And they are leaning on the data-driven method- methodology, uh, which could be measured objectively. And uh, this all will act as a secular tailwind for a company like Trade Desk. And uh, that's why I think it could be um, like a hundred billion plus dollar company in the next few years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It seems like they have a ton 
of tailwinds coming around and that ctv stuff um that just seems like there's a perfect storm coming together of you know four different things that the advertisers are going to want to spend over there yeah all right i think we're uh i mean that was a very comprehensive overview so we appreciate it we, yeah, that, that'll be great uh but we're gonna hit a quick break here and, and then we're gonna try to poke some holes in your thesis Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? (sighs) All blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome back in. Next, we have Devil's Advocate. So most of our listeners know how this goes. We're going to provide some counterpoints. Uh, Just want to get this out there. It was hard to find some counterpoints for the trade desk. We know know we're reaching for counterpoints when we have to go to valuation because it's like we can't find anything wrong with the business. So let's try to pinpoint something on the stock, but I'll go first. And this one may or may not make any sense. And I guess you can refute it if you want. Um, They don't. So, I mean, I see them as like a connector between obviously the publishers and the advertisers, Um, but they don't own like the stack. Whereas let's say, I mean, Roku has a DSP, I'm pretty sure. And Roku owns a lot of, they obviously have the hardware and then they have Roku channel and then they have the DSP. So they sort of own a lot of the content. The trade desk, as far as I can see, doesn't own any of it. Does it worry you that the business is a little more fragile as someone that's connecting almost like a middleman? Um, So they, they are not the middlemen in this ecosystem. Uh, they are the ones where, um, like in this ecosystem, right? So you have um, the publisher and then you have the supply side, which is the SSP, and then you have the DSP, right? So I have uh, put some, um, uh, what I would, simple explanations on my Twitter feed um, on like how these all are connected, but, if you see uh, on on the DSP side, that's where all the advertisers will go uh, to run their campaigns, right? So if a company like Trade Desk is allowing them to target that their end users or their consumers in the best possible way, and they could measure uh, like appropriately what that users are and they could track down, okay, because this user saw this ad, they went and did this, right? So they could measure that. And that's where I don't think they are the middleman, like calling them as a middleman is is not right because I would think SSP is a more kind of a middleman here rather than okay. a DSP. Okay. Um, like if you say SSP, which is like your Magnites and Freewheel and Pubmatic, those are your middlemen because uh, the publishers can say, okay, I don't want to work with the SSP. I can just directly go to the trade desk and say, fill this ad spot for me. Uh, and they will be able to fill that ad spot. That's but- uh, Sorry to interrupt you, but that is one of my concerns on understanding the value of these uh, SSPs, right? SSPs or DSPs because it seems like one of those could get cut out and it sounds more like the supply side is the one that uh, publishers can kind of bypass. 
Yes, that is a possibility, but will they do that? Probably not. Uh, and there are many reasons to that too, right? So in this case, uh, it all boils down to the relationships. And what happens is the, the SSPs have the relationships with their publishers. So um, if now, uh, if you see a publisher going directly to a DSP, then uh, it would mean that any uh, SSP which has the relationship with that publisher will think they will be getting cut out of that uh, ecosystem. And then that would not play well with uh, the publisher side. And publisher side is already integrated with, say, a few SSPs. And what happens is because now there's code behind the scenes uh, when the publisher's website is loaded, you have said hundreds of thousands of DSPs, but you have limited SSPs. So what happens is now if you try to send those requests to a lot of DSPs, then you will bloat your code on your publisher side. And that would mean that the publisher side is loading very slow and that would kind of uh, throw off the users because now the publisher side is loading very slow and I don't want to visit a website which is not even loading just because they are trying to fill those ads from various different DSPs. And now if it makes sense because if you have say an integration with say just three DSP uh, SSPs, then you only have to trigger the code for these three SSPs, just call those three SSPs. They will handle all the auctions. They will give you the best price and they will fill that ad spot. So as a publisher, I don't need to worry about it, right? Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good answer to my question because I, I was really confused on that. And we got a lot of slack for, uh, we, we sort of came out with some criticisms on Magnite because we didn't understand where they sat in the value chain. So that definitely clears it up and yeah. helps. And again, uh, those uh, Twitter threads are, uh, you made some diagrams on those. If people are confused listening, I'd recommend go check those out. It kind of gives you a visual overlay of what's happening. Um, I'll hit my counterpoint though. And when someone looks at this company initially, they're going to check out, you know, the financials most likely, and they're going to see that it's trading at an EV to sales or price to sales of, you know, next 12 month revenue of over 40. Um, and they're going to, you know, back away and say, whoa, whoa, like all the growth already priced in. How do you look at that um, specifically with Tradesk? Or maybe how do you think about valuation? Um, I know you own the stock before it traded up this well, you know, is it kind of just a permanent holding for you? You know, what do you think? Right. So uh, I agree that the valuation is very rich and uh, I have been uh, like, I started my position when the trade desk was at around 85 bucks. Right. So I have congratulations from there to uh, where it is right now. Thank you. So, um, and it is my largest position. So, um, so yeah, um, I would agree on that valuation. Valuation is very rich and uh, it makes it tough for, even the most bullish investor to get into this stock. But again, if you look at any company which is um, like a great company, then it will have uh, these uh, sky high valuations. And what I would say is um, if it's a quality company, then it's okay to pay up for quality. And uh, there, the, the reasons which I provided like earlier, right? All my thesis, I see it working out and I see there's a lot of uh, future growth uh, in this company as well. I see like um, in terms of CTV, there's a lot of uh, growth ahead. In terms of the overall TAM, uh, there's a lot more to uh, capture in terms of um, the, the growth in that stock. And again, the management's track record, right? Again, it's just 
uh, phenomenal um, until this point. So I, I don't know uh, why, like uh, it, it is rich, but um, I'm still adding to it uh, on a regular basis. So um, yeah, like it's, it's okay to pay up for the quality. Uh, and you see uh, this thing uh, pan out for a lot of other companies like say Zoom uh, as well. And then there's other companies like say NVIDIA and a lot more where you are paying premium price for those companies, right? So. Right, and I guess you're kind of in the mindset, you can, you as the research you've done, your expertise with ad tech, you're gonna see, all right, these guys can grow at a high revenue rate for the next decade. I'm okay in the short run if say the market votes that it needs a 50% haircut, I'm okay with that because I have a, you know, a time horizon over until about 2030 or whatever it is. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. And I would be happy if the share price goes down for uh, some reason, which is not uh, kind of related to my thesis. And I would be a happy buyer at that point of time because my time horizon is long enough for uh, this entire story to pan out. So right. on that point, what would have to happen for you to, what would have to happen in the course of business that would disprove your thesis? Um, what would make you want to sell it? I mean, as, a, as your largest holding, something big would probably have to happen. So what would that be? So um, for me uh, to sell the trade desk, right? Two of these things would, should or must happen for me to get out of this position. One is people start going back to the linear TV or the trends that we are seeing doesn't pan out as expected, right? Um, and I, I think there's very little chance of that happening. So right. uh, we are seeing the other way around, right? So uh, again, like that's something um, I, would, I would kind of watch, but I don't uh, see that as a problem. The second and the most important thing is Jeff Green if he steps down, I would sell TTD. And that's a no brainer in terms of uh, the jockey, uh, <laughs> Jeff Green leaves the company, um, then yeah, uh, that's one thing. And the other thing that I want to highlight and which we didn't talk about is uh, you might have heard about um, the announcements from Google and uh, Apple. So right. Google announced that um, they are going to end the third-party cookies in Chrome wow. and uh, Apple announced that it's planning to request user consent to track their data via the pop-up message within the app, like in iOS 14 and above. So again, like if TradeDesk is not able to come up with a solution, right, uh, then my thesis is busted right there because TradeDesk, uh, this business is dependent on how effectively it is able to uh, target the users for the clients, right? So if uh, the buyers are paying trade desk for effective advertisement, right? So if I'm in a market of buying a car and um, the client says, I want to target that user, but trade desk is not able to do that uh, just because of uh, these um, changes, then thesis is busted and uh, I want to sell. But what Trade Desk is coming up with is uh, an encrypted email-based unified ID solution, right? So uh, that particular solution is an answer uh, from the Trade Desk to uh, these changes that Google and uh, Apple are making. Um, 
And what I'm seeing is uh, industry-wide, they are getting a lot of traction for that ID. And uh, you would have seen or heard uh, that uh, major data management platforms like LiveRamp uh, and SSPs like Magnite and uh, Index Exchange, Pubmatic, and then there were like um, the other competitor as well, like say Critio. Um, they uh, are um, having partnerships with uh, the trade desk uh, and they are trying to work with them uh, as a part of the open internet um, and um, trying to, um, what I would say, uh, trying to support that initiative, right? So if that thing does not work, right? So the unified ID does not get traction. And then if it's not working out as trade desk would have hoped for, then thesis is busted. And uh, that would make me sell there. But again, uh, I'm seeing every single day more and more companies trying to support trade desk with that initiative. So that's, again, I don't see that happening too. Um, so my answer here would be, okay, I don't see any reasons in the near future that would make me sell out of trade desk. Okay, that makes sense. And do you think that this Apple initiative will actually help them in the long run? Because it's going for the more open internet, encrypted things, not uh, not manipulating data, but you know, selling user data. I know that's got a exploiting. bad rap. Exploiting, I guess is the word. Is that that has a bad rap and trade is kind of the anti, right? Um, whatever that would be, you know, what people associate Facebook with. Right, so again, um, on the quarterly call again, I, I'm, I keep going back to uh, that quarterly call because that gave me a lot of insight on, on especially this part, the IDFA part. So what Jeff Green is saying uh, here is um, only 10% of the traffic is uh, based on IDFA, right? So they are making decisions on only 10% of that traffic. So what TradeDesk is uh, getting is almost around 12 million QPS. And what he's saying is if we stop getting this IDFA, it's not a big deal for us because we could just say, okay, we will effectively try to find gems uh, within that 11 million traffic that we know uh, what that traffic is uh, based on uh, the in information we have for that uh, traffic. But uh, it's not a big, big deal for us. But for companies like Facebook, they rely on that ID like for 70% of the traffic. Yeah, yeah. So that definitely is something trade desk, uh, sorry, Apple is going uh, behind Facebooks and the Googles of the world, not uh, on uh, behind the trade desk of the world, right? right? So that is a good thing for companies like trade desk, not a bad thing. And the, if it would be a bad thing if they would not have come up with any sort of solutions, but I see that they are coming up with a solution. And, uh, and that makes me even more bullish because now it's, it's working uh, well for the trade desk. Okay. And then last question here before we wrap things up. Uh, I know it's tough because this company has done so well. It seems like they're got all their eggs in the right basket, but what change would you like to see trade desk make maybe using their um you know premium valuation to acquire some companies i don't know is there anything you'd like to see them change i i don't think i would want to change anything here because okay. they are firing on all cylinders and they are leading the pathway for the industry in terms of open internet so i don't know 
what better can they do from here? Um, they are like they mentioned that this was the best quarter in their company history, right? So, again, uh, they say that they are the enablers of this industry, uh, not the disruptors. And I like when they have that sort of a mindset. And I continue to be a happy shareholder, and I would not change a single thing here. All right, that's, well, that's some, a that's good some, sign. That's some strong <laughs> conviction right there. <laughs> yes. All right. I think that's it. Do you have any more questions? I have, I have no more questions. Okay. Daval, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you? What's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, it's Daval underscore Kotecha. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, we'll link else? it in there because I know that we don't want people messing up the spelling or anything. Yeah. And yeah. it's Stock Detective Podcast if people want to look that up as well, right? I know you guys did a great overview because Kermit, um, he used to work at Amazon and he, you guys did a great overview on um, that company. So, right. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. We should remind you, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.